Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. It's a great day to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to preach. It's always such an honor to be able to do that. And if you're taking notes, we're gonna go ahead and dive in. I wanna talk to you today. The title of this message is Changing Your Tune. Changing Your Tune. And I'm gonna look at two different passages of scripture to start out, Mark chapter 11 and then Mark chapter 15. This is Palm Sunday today. So we're gonna look at Mark chapter 11, the triumphal entry when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And then we'll look at Mark chapter 15 right after. So the first text took place on Sunday. The second text we'll read takes place on Friday. And I want you to notice as we're reading this, how the crowd's tune changed. We'll be looking at what took place for that to happen. Starting in verse seven of Mark chapter 11, it says, when they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted. So this is a lively bunch. This is a loud crowd. They shouted, Hosanna. Hosanna means God save Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Final verse, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So the crowd is shouting Jesus' praise in this first scene. Now let's look at Mark chapter 15, starting verse nine, five days later. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate, knowing it was of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why, what crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder. So here they are shouting, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. How many of you know someone, or maybe you know a group of people, several people who have a tendency to change their tune about situations in life? Anybody in here? You you, you know people who are like all in and they are a hundred miles an hour on a topic or a subject or an idea or a way of living. And then somehow their tune changes just like that. We, we love Pastor Johnny. Johnny, how many of y'all love Pastor Johnny in here? Just love him. Great. And his birthday was yesterday. We celebrated his birthday. But Pastor Johnny is a staff. We laugh so hard with Pastor Johnny because Pastor Johnny will come into a meeting and he always says this thing. He always says, I've got an idea. And he always does his finger like this. I've got an idea. And he'll come in and he'll start talking about his idea. And all of us are just like, okay, this is great. Pastor Johnny. He's got another idea and he's sharing his idea and he's saying how it's going to be and what we can do and how we can reach people and just this whole elaborate plan with his ministry idea. But in the conversation, not a day later, right in the conversation as he is talking about how great the idea is, his tune changes and he just says, never mind, it won't work. It's a terrible idea. 
And like, we're not saying anything to make him think that. He just changes his tune. He's heading a certain direction and something happens within his own soul and he starts to change his tune and he turns the other direction. Like, Johnny, what just happened here? Every week this happens. I'm telling you, every week. Uh, I think about me with restaurants. I will go to a restaurant. I will have a great experience at the restaurant. And I'll be like a walking billboard for that restaurant. Man, I'm loud about things that I like. Anybody with me in here? Like, I'll tell everybody. I don't even care if I know you. You got to go check out this place. It is amazing. It's so good. And I'll build it up so much. And inevitably, something happens with me. I'll go to that restaurant one too many times. And I'll eat it and I'll be like, I'm done. I never want to eat here again. And it's not like the restaurant changed. I've changed. I'll have a change of tune. My wife would be like, hey, you want to go to that restaurant you've been talking about? I'm like, baby, I never want to go there ever again. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? Just change your tune. The tune changes. We've got a little daughter. She's, she's seven. And man, she's a charmer. We've got three boys and we have one girl. And she is a charmer. How many of you daddies know that a girl has a special place in your heart? There's nothing like a little girl. And, and we'll go out on, on dates and I'll take her to fine, nice establishments like Waffle House, everybody. <laughs> so she don't know any better. She loves it right now. So she would go to Waffle House and after that, we always go to Dairy Queen. So I'm really just practicing some good dietary habits in our household. Go get a, a chocolate chip waffle and then we'll go get some ice cream, a blizzard at Dairy Queen. And, and my, my daughter, she, she will turn on the charm when I'm taking her on a date. And she will just start saying, she, she never meets a stranger. She's very, she's very outgoing. I mean, extremely outgoing. And she'll just start saying, Daddy, I love you so much, Daddy. She's seven. She'll reach across the table. It's like a movie. She'll reach across the table. She'll put her hand on my face. She'll say, Daddy, you're the best daddy ever. She'll say, Daddy, she knows I'm a words of affirmation person. She'll say, Daddy, you are so handsome. Tell me something I don't know. I'm just... <laughs> Daddy, you so you so strong. You are amazing. And I'm I'm telling you. God is my witness. Within 12 hours, the tune changes. I do something, guys, you know what I'm talking about. I do something, I don't even know what I do. I'll do something and should be like, not daddy, you're the greatest daddy, is you're not my daddy anymore. It's like, we just changed the tune drastically there. You know, I find it interesting in the two texts that we just read in the Gospel of Mark, that a crowd's tune changes so quickly. You caught that, right? Here the crowd is there and they're, they're shouting Hosanna. They're singing Jesus' praises as he's coming into Jerusalem on a Sunday. And then by Friday, they go from crown him as king to crucify him. How do you go from exaltation to crucifixion to crucify within a matter of five days? And I'm telling you, it's one thing when you change your tune as it relates to a restaurant preference. It's one thing if you think you have a good idea and you change your mind about an idea like Pastor Johnny, but it's a whole nother thing when you change your tune as it relates to who Jesus is. And somehow, throughout this week, this crowd that is so adamant 
That is so loud. And can I tell you, loud does not always equate to loyal. That are loud and rowdy shift their stance, change their tune, and start heading in a different direction. You know, it's important for us to understand that this is Passover week. How many of you have heard of Passover before? Well, let me give you a little teaching here for a moment. But the, the Jews, the Israelites, they had seven festivals that they would practice and they would observe feasts and festivals every single year. And they were built into their calendar. Like 4th of July is built into our calendar. They had seven of these festivals that God established. And the whole point of them is to look back at what God has done, to celebrate his faithfulness, to commemorate his goodness, and also look forward to what I believe he will do in the future. And Passover was one of the most popular and well-known festivals and feasts that the Israelites participated in. This week, right now, and also the text we just read is Passover week. You say, what is Passover? If you remember back in the book of Exodus, you had Moses who was raised up as a deliverer of God's people out of the bondage of who? The Egyptians. The Egyptians had, had, uh, had been the slave, they had been the owners, they had occupied, they had been uh, treating the Israelites horrible for 400 plus years. And God raised up a deliverer, a mighty prophet, a mighty man of God by the name of Moses. And Moses comes in. And how many remember the 10 plagues that were used? And you got these plagues that the first nine of them, uh, they were directed towards the Egyptians. And if you were an Israelite, you were safe just because you were an Israelite. So there was like the plague of the frogs. Y'all remember that one? I mean, that would be a terrible nightmare right there. You wake up and there's frogs all over you. <sighs> You're eating a bowl of soup, a frog jumps in the bowl of soup. Terrible. Frogs everywhere. Then there was locusts. Then there was, you know, darkness in the land. The, the water turned into blood. And the Israelites, listen to me, the first nine, they were spared of the first nine plagues. Then the final plague, the culmination of it all, is when God speaks to Moses and Moses speaks to the people and he says, listen, this plague, there's only one thing that will save anyone. It won't be just because you're an Israelite that you will not be affected. Every single one of you has to put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. Y'all remember this? Put the blood over the doorpost. And then as the death angel comes, he will pass over your house. But only if the blood is there. If the blood is not there, then the firstborn child, whether Egyptian or Jew, the firstborn child would have to die because of the lack of blood. And here we see this scene. Thousands of years later, the crowd has gathered. It's Passover week. And one who is like Moses is coming in on a donkey towards Jerusalem. And they are losing their minds. They are shouting, they are praising, they are cheering, thinking, hey, this could be the one who delivers us from the bondage that we're currently in. How is it that the script flipped that they went from passion for Jesus to opposed to Jesus? I would propose to you today that it was this, the expectations of the crowd was off. 
The crowd, there was many people there. Historians tell us that there was close to 500,000 people in Jerusalem. I mean, you know, that's a lot of people right there. We hear 500,000 in a city and in the day in which we live in, we're like, oh, that's not a big deal. Back in the day, 500,000 people in one area was pandemonium. How many of you get like jittery just thinking about being smashed like sardines in a crowd? Ugh, just people all around you, like all up in your business, just, just all in your face. And man, I'm one, I, I, I don't know, hopefully none of us, I can't stand bad smells, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, no one likes bad smells. I can't stand bad smells. And when you get a bunch of people and you're outside and sweating, it just starts to stink everywhere. I get in a bad mood when I get uncomfortable. Anybody else get in a bad mood when you're uncomfortable? Like you get in an elevator and it's like a weight limit. How many of you want it to be a people limit? 5,000 pounds? How about just five people in here? I don't know what the weight is, but, but I, I just, I don't like being smothered. And there's, there's people all in this city with expectation and excitement. It, it made me think about years ago, we had gone to Disney World. Any Disney World people in here? Okay, great. Eight o'clock, no one likes Disney. So we were, we were there and, and, and Pastor Doug Musa, love Pastor Doug, he is a Disney expert. And he was actually in Disney World when me and my family, and we were kind of new to it. And so I called him. I'm like, Doug, we're in the Magic Kingdom today. We think we're about going to see the fireworks tonight. And he was like, hey, we're in the Magic Kingdom too. Meet us there an hour and a half before the fireworks. I thought an hour and a half before the fireworks? They giving out money at Disney at the fireworks? What are you talking about? He said, dude, trust me. It's going to get packed. And so sure enough, we get there. Him and Danielle and his girls are there. And Doug has a spot. Like he has a certain place that he's there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, some of y'all, some of y'all are like, what are you talking about? He has a certain spot and we get there. And, and sure enough, as it got closer and closer to the fireworks show, people started just filling in this space. As far as the eye could see, there was just bodies just right in front of Cinderella's castle. One of my favorite things of that moment is that Doug had been saving his spot and there was this family that kind of did a little shuffle and they were getting in front of Doug. Let me tell you something. You do not want to come in front of Doug and Cinderella's castle, my friend. <laughs> Holy Ghost was not up in that moment. Hey, God bless you. <laughs> and we were, just, we were just packed. And then the fireworks happened. It was great, but I don't like large crowds. This was a large crowd. Anticipation has built. And this is what they see when they see Jesus coming in. Their expectations are high. And they see one who they believe that he is going to deliver them from the bondage of the Romans. Just like Moses delivered God's people and their ancestors from the Egyptians. Here comes Jesus. We've heard about him. He's the miracle worker. Man, this is the guy who can turn water into wine. This is the guy who can turn eyes that are blind to be able to see. This is the guy who can walk on water. They'd heard about him. Maybe they caught a sermon or two. They'd heard about him. He can heal the sick. And most recently, his greatest accomplishment, he raised a dead man to life. I mean, you know, that's a pretty big deal. And here he is. And their expectation is he's about to deliver us from the bondage from the cruelty of the Roman Empire. You know what happened? 
Jesus didn't do that that day. He didn't do that that week. And their tune changed because he didn't meet their expectations. You say, what does this have to do with me? It has everything to do with you. It has everything to do with me. Because when life doesn't go the way you want it to go, does your tune change? Come on, I'm preaching a little better than y'all giving me a little shout in here. When, 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 when things, you pray to God and you, you hope for things, you believe for things and, and pain happens and disappointment takes place and man, it's not bad things you're asking for. It's good stuff, but it's not taking place. Does your tune change and your heart start to get callous to the things of God? Because if it happened to the crowd, I know it can happen to me and I might not yell out, crucify him, but does my heart start to get cold to him when my expectations are not met? See, this crowd had an if mentality. Everybody say if mentality. They had an if spirit. You say, what in the world are you talking about? An if mentality is, Jesus, we will clap for you. We will praise you. We will serve you. We will live for you if you do this for us. Being a follower of Jesus is not about an if mindset. Jesus is not looking for fans. He's looking for followers. Fans are fickle. They might be loud, but they turn on you in a second. I mean, I, we, I never seen anything like LSU fans in my life, everybody. I'm about to make some of y'all mad up in here. I'm a Tennessee fan, y'all know that. And we're terrible. We've been terrible for decades. Not a season or two or a couple of games, decades. LSU fans, we're the best. We love our coach. We love our quarterback. We love our tailback. We love our receiver offensive line. You lose two games, get rid of them all. <laughs> Fire them all. Look at y'all. Y'all proud about it too. That's us. That's me. Fire them. Fans are fickle. Followers are faithful. Jesus is coming back for a bride. That's going to be faithful. That's not an if mindset. That's not a, hey, God, as long as you're meeting my needs, everything that I want, then I'm going to serve you. He's coming back for a bride who says, I'm in, God. Whatever I go through, I'm going to praise you. This is real stuff right here. God, if I go through the valley, I'm going to praise you through the valley. Lord, if I'm on the mountaintop, I'm going to praise you on the mountaintop. In my lack, I will praise you. In my abundance, I will praise you. In sickness, I will praise you. In health, I will praise you. When my family's doing well, when my family's struggling, I'm going to praise you. It's a big difference. Watch out when your expectations aren't met. The enemy, he's looking for an opportune moment, my friend. Isn't that the garden, man? Their expectation, they thought their expectation wasn't being met. They had everything they needed. Oh, no, you lacking something. Watch out when the enemy starts telling you you lacking something. Your God is more than enough. He's a God of abundance. Even through all the sorrow, even through all the pain, man, I do not want to have an if mindset. Can I tell you something? God is not our genie. I'm going to say that again. God is not our genie. Sometimes my kids... I, I really think they think I'm their genie. How many parents know what I'm talking about? They think their wish is my command. Get this for me. Do this for me. It's the worst when their attitude's bad, right? Like, who are you? Where did you come from? Me. 
But sometimes we have the same mindset with God. I'll say to my kids, listen, you are not Aladdin. I'm not your genie. My command is your duty. God, he's not this genie that we say, hey, I want this. I'm telling you, he will meet all your needs, but he will not always fulfill all your wants. And this crowd, they turned. Now this, this has to be the one. He's going to deliver us. He, he, we're tired of this taxation. Man, I, I don't like taxes either. We're, t- we're tired of this. I'm, he's going to come and rescue us and save us. See, they thought he was riding to Jerusalem, put on a crown of gold, but he was riding to Jerusalem to put on a crown of thorns. They thought he was riding to Jerusalem. Their expectation was he was going to go ride and he's going to go find himself a throne to sit on and he's going to fulfill the Davidic line and he's going to reestablish that which was lost and the Romans are going to be taken out. But he wasn't going to go sit on a throne made of man's hands. He was going to go hang on a tree for you and I. Their expectations were off. And here's the tragedy of it all, honestly. The crowd knew about him, but they didn't know him. You can know about God, but not really know him for yourself. And my friend, I'm telling you, you cannot live spiritually vicariously through someone else's faith in your place. My mama's here. She came to the 930. That's an act of the Lord for her to come to 930, everybody. I'm telling you, she is a late sleeper. She came because her boy is preaching today. Both service, double dipping, mama, double dipping. No one else might not like me, but mama likes me. I promise you that. My mama loves God, believes in God, seeks God, hungers and thirsts after God. I cannot live through my mama's faith. Jesus says this. He says that these people, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. What's he saying? In Matthew chapter 15, what's he saying? They're saying the right stuff, but they don't really know me right in here. I wonder, do we know him? I'm a big Peyton Manning fan. I love Peyton Manning. Anybody in here? Anybody? Okay. Drew Brees? <laughs> okay, good. He's not in my story, but just imagine. Years ago, we landed in Dulles International Airport. We're coming back from a mission trip, checking into customs. I'm getting my bags. I look up, and behold, Peyton Manning is walking down the concourse. It's Peyton Manning. It's Peyton Manning. And I completely geek out. Like, no cool bone in my body. And I just yell out, Peyton, go volunteers. And you know what he did? He, he did this. This is exactly what he did. My dad was there. This is what he did. He went like this. That's it. And he kept walking. He didn't turn around and say, David, what's up, my man? How are the kids? How's the family? How's Elijah? He didn't start talking to me. Why? Because he doesn't know me. I wonder how many of us, we know about God. We've heard about him. We've heard the testimony, the stories, the miracles in other people's lives. But have I experienced him myself? I pray when Jesus sees me, he says, hey, that's my boy. He's messed up sometimes. (laughs) He's got some issues. But that's my boy right there. Man, we got to know Jesus. 
Because when life doesn't go the way you want it to go, we're not gonna bow out. We're not gonna be a if type of people. We're gonna be an all in type of people. God, I'm committed. God, I'm faithful. God, I'm surrendered. I'm not gonna shift. I'm gonna surrender to you. Can you imagine going to a wedding and they're about to say their vows to one another? And sometimes at weddings that I do, the, the couple will write their own vows. I've never one time had a couple write their vows and they say, hey, I'm gonna love you if. I'll be faithful if you stay in shape. I'll be kind to you if you pick up your laundry from the floor. And I tell you 15,000, I'll be faithful if, I'll do this if, no. A relationship is about commitment. But we're so used to just bailing out of stuff. Come on, I'm talking right now. God wants us to be faithful unto him, committed unto him. This crowd shifted and changed their tune. But God, listen to me, the mission of Christ never did. It never changed. That's the second thing I want us to look at, the mission of Christ. I'm, I'm amazed by this. Uh, my, my mind is just blown. Here Jesus comes riding in, riding in on a donkey. Not only that, it says a baby donkey. A baby donkey? This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's on a baby. God has convicted me so much. Just this week, somebody said something to me. Text message, I got fired up. Still working on my flesh. Anybody else in here working on that flesh? Fired up. Text me. And I just thought, the king of kings rode a baby donkey. Like, for real. Next time you want to blow somebody up, just think baby donkey. <laughs> he comes riding in. They are shouting, praising, making much of him. I would have been a terrible Jesus. Anybody else in here? Because I know me and Jesus knew their hearts. I would have rode in. First of all, I wouldn't have been on a baby donkey. I would have been on like a serious war horse. I'd have like a whole chariot entourage coming in, making it known. And if I saw somebody who I know was gonna turn on me just a few days later, I'd be saying, hey, where are you gonna be on Friday? I, I hear you cheering me on now, but five days from now, guess what you gonna be doing? You gonna be cheering for my death, my execution, me to get mocked. I would've, I, I would've wiped them out. Anybody else in here, you just, <laughs> done. I would have wiped him out. Jesus never changed his mission. He rides in for one purpose. He rides in to lift up his life on a cross. The Bible says if Jesus be lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. The crowd wanted a lion, but what they needed was a lamb. Say, okay, 
Passover week. Thousands of years before, a lamb was slaughtered. The blood was put on a doorpost. Thousands of years later, here comes the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. Before, watch this, God's judgment was poured out upon humanity. Now, His judgment is poured out on His own Son. This is what I have to tell you in closing today. His mission is always greater than your expectation. They wanted deliverance from something temporal. God, give me peace right now in this circumstance. Fix this problem, remedy this issue. But Jesus was doing so much more than that. He had come to seek and to save that which was lost. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says this, just as the son did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' mission is always, always, always greater than your expectation. And this is the reality though. When you're in the valley, it's hard to see anything else but disappointment. It's hard to see anything else, but hey, this thing that I'd hoped for and I'd prayed for and I really sought God for and I thought he's gonna do, it's not happening. And you get so distracted by the things that are not happening. Can I tell you, he's working in ways that you do not see yet. And you and I, we will look back in the future. We'll look back on our past and we'll see the fingerprints of God over every aspect of our life. You'll say, God, I remember when I was walking through that and I wanted you to do this and you didn't do it. But God, now I see that you work all things together for good. Lord, now I see that even through brokenness, even through pain, even through disappointment, that you were doing a work that you are making a masterpiece. His mission is always greater. I thought about this this morning. But man, his mission was the crowd. The ones we want to pick up stones and cast towards. His mission was those who were saying, crown him and then said, crucify him. Guess what? Whether we like to hear it or not, we were once the crowd. Oh, no, 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 not me. Oh, no, sir, you. Oh, no, me up here with a microphone in my hand. I was the crowd. The glimpse of light was not their praise. The glimpse of light was Jesus riding towards his death. But the great thing is three days later, he would be risen again. And the next time he comes, my friend, he will not be upon a baby donkey. He will be upon a white horse and there will be fire in his eyes and a sword in his hand. And I just believe that he's gonna come back for a church like HPC, full of loud people, but loyal people, full of people who say, I'm not gonna live for you if, but I will live for you no matter what. I will praise you, I will worship you, I will trust you, I will surrender, and I will keep my arm and my eyes set on you. And he's coming back, everybody. And he's gonna resurrect us out of this place. And we'll meet him in the air. Come on, do you believe that this morning? Come on, clap your hands. Give him praise in this place if you believe it. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. 
For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.